Miami Dolphins season is over, but for other teams across the league, their march will continue into the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. So look at three winners from this past weekend and the lessons Miami can and should be able to apply to their bid for 2024. You are locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I am your host, Cal Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Tip of the cap to our everydayers because it is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. We don't just say it. We live it. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Great account and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase on last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. If you're listening today, hello, welcome. Uh, welcome to the 2024 off season. It's good to see you. I, I do have an anticipation just because of the uh, nature of this industry uh, and me not being somebody who will deliberately stir the pot with uh, hot button topics. Probably not going to be as many of you for the next couple weeks. Uh, so if you're here, I, I do genuinely appreciate you guys tuning in uh, as we shift gears and get into off-season mindset here. Uh, but before we get into our um, performance review of all the position rooms and the head coach and the coordinators and the general manager and all of that stuff, that's coming. You're going to start with a performance review of what happened. And then you're going to look at uh, the decisions for each room and you're going to look at uh, start piecing together what needs to be accomplished, how you get there, scouting players in free for free agency as that comes up, scouting players for the draft. So there's a lot of different angles we're going to take the next eight months through. Uh, and there's kind of these hurdles that you clear as you go. Uh, that kind of dictate where our focus will be at any given point in time. But the first thing you have to do after a season is you have to do a debrief and you have to uh, do a post post op and really look at where your team is at. I have a lot of thoughts already. I'm continuing to collect those, but I had thoughts that I think are applicable themes from the other games. One of the things that obviously with me being a co-host on lockdown NFL scouting, I watch a lot of football. I watch a lot of NFL football and not just Dolphins football. I have to be knowledgeable on the entire league. And I think that that's something that gives me a unique perspective as I assess the Dolphins and you kind of compartmentalize what you think and what you feel and what you're hopeful for as a fan. And you have to be able to put those two things in, in separate buckets. When I'm watching these other games that were played, there were two on Saturday Two on Sunday. Of course, there's two later today. And I think everybody knows who we're rooting for in those games. But um, there's themes for the winners that I think are applicable to where the Miami Dolphins want to go and need to go and have to go. And the first thing, the first team is the Houston Texans. They were the team that played before the Dolphins on Saturday. And the, the, the observation for Houston as a winner 
is a little bit less about the team and its own performance. Obviously, you have two pick sixes. You catch Joe Flacco. Uh, you have C.J. Stroud hitting some haymakers early in the game. The thing that stood out to me about that was looking at Miami's lack of postseason wins with this current iteration of the team, and obviously you can extend that all the way back. They now own the longest active playoff win drought in the NFL because the Detroit Lions won last night. And these margins are so close. We've already talked about from Miami's perspective, three and a half minutes versus Tennessee is the difference, every other game being the same, of you playing in Kansas City in sub-zero temperature and you playing at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the wild card. Like it's it's that close. And for Houston, you, you think about a Browns team that won 39-38 against the Colts in improbable fashion in week seven. If that game had gone differently, or the Cleveland Browns beating the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore in week 10, 33-31 on a last minute play, or Cleveland kicking a game-winning field goal against San Francisco in week six to win by two points. Any one of those margins goes differently. The Texans catch a different team. If any one of those games went differently, the Texans catch the Miami Dolphins and the Cleveland Browns are the seventh seed. And they would play the Buffalo Bills and Miami would have played in Houston, which you certainly would have liked your chances more as even in spite of how hot C.J. Stroud is right now for the Texans. That's how close the margins are. I think you could certainly reflect on last year's team and the margins for Miami uh, don't feel as uh, pronounced because the team finished nine and eight. They had to win in week 18 to get into the postseason. Uh, whereas if they had been able to stay healthier at the quarterback position, they probably win a few more games. And uh, at the very least, they're in the same wild card spot that they were in this year, hopefully not playing the Kansas City Chiefs. So, like, it's applicable to Miami because any one of those Cleveland incidences, just like Miami's own late season collapses, the difference between being the two seed and the six seed, any one of those individual one play games throughout the course of a season, the ripple effect expands. And let's be honest, Miami hasn't caught a break on them. Right? 2020, Dolphins win 10 games, miss the playoffs at 10 and 6. You go to expanded playoffs for the first time in 2021. The Dolphins finish 9 and 8, miss the playoffs because they lose in week 17 to Tennessee. Right? Like you dug yourself in that hole. There's there's not a lot to take away from 2021 other than uh it was a disastrous first two months of the season. 2022, you have this uh, eight and three record that becomes eight and eight. You squeak into the playoffs, you catch Buffalo, who's the two seed. You obviously lose on one or two plays or the difference in that game. And then obviously for Miami this year, uh, the draw that they caught is the big thing. But there's games from other teams. Houston wins this division. At 10 and 7, beating Indy. And look, Indy in week 18 has a first down drawn up in scoring territory in the final minute of the game 
and Gardner Minshew just throws the ball behind the receiver and it's incomplete. And Houston not only gets into the divisional round, wins the division, or and wins a playoff game. I'd look at Houston's fortunes and say, y'all got a good bounce. Miami's not getting good bounces. And Miami compounded it by making their own stuff harder than it had to be. And when you do that, you put yourself in the position that the Dolphins did. And for as much as like there's the weird, like over the top four TV drama of Stephen A and this vendetta against the Dolphins now because like he buys in and then they lose a game and then he buys in again and then they lose a game again. And then he's glad that they're playing in uh, Kansas City because you quote, get what you deserve. Uh, a lot of times it's not what you say, but how you say it. And there's a sensationalized element of that presentation, but that statement is true. You reap what you sow. And uh, Miami, unfortunately, illustrated just one too many lapses. And there's some stuff that was outside of their own control as well, like Cameron Good blowing out his knee on the uh, punt return for a touchdown that tied the game in the fourth quarter in Week 18. Cameron Good doesn't get hurt. What's that look like? We don't know. But again, that's the theme for the Texans win, is the margins are like this across the board. And then Houston gets in. They not only get in, they win the division because Jacksonville loses, and they catch a good draw with Joe Flacco, who's giving the ball over. So we'll talk about the uh, Green Bay Packers next. Uh, there's some interesting thoughts and themes with that football team that I think are relevant to the Miami Dolphins and where they go from here. This is a little bit less about luck, and it's a little bit more about how you approach building a team. We'll talk about that next year on Locked on Dolphins. Uh, football is donezo in South Florida, but you've got Florida Panthers, you've got Miami Heat. Just found out there's Dwayne's Wade statue that's going up. So uh, lots of other awesome sporting events for you to get to in the area. And if you're interested in spontaneously heading to the stadium, Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. They give you views from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what your sight lines are going to be. And all-in prices show you your total up front, so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. They are obsessed with finding new ways to save money on tickets. They have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, and even an hour after it starts, it is the place to find last-minute tickets. And the Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today on last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Uh, we all come to sports uh, as kind of a release and escape from some of the crazy realities of real life. But if we could just talk for a minute about preparing for real life. The FDA says pharmacies are running out of him antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade, which is scary stuff. I cannot imagine a more helpless feeling than if one of my loved ones got sick and a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication that they need. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics that can treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, and others. This stuff could happen to any of us. 
Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed at, by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code Locked On to get $20 off of your order. So uh, the Green Bay Packers put the layeth the smacketh down on the Dallas Cowboys. 48 points they put down. And this was not just uh, the Cowboys being the Cowboys in the postseason. There's some things that the Packers did. The Packers obviously got hot. You know, they finished nine and eight uh, and they won. From week 11, they were one, two, three, two, four, and two, five, and two, six and two over their last eight games. Got hot at the right time of year. Ironically, kind of the inverse of what Miami did in their final five games, right? Where you go two and three and then you lose a playoff game. Uh, but Green Bay, they win this football game by absolutely punching the Cowboys in the mouth. If we're being honest, they railroaded the Cowboys up front. Aaron Jones rushes for three touchdowns. Green Bay finishes with 143 yards on the ground and three touchdowns on 33 attempts. They have 415 yards of offense or six to 10 on third downs. Uh, Dallas ends up running up a bunch of uh, yardage that so Dallas finishes with with hollow yards more than 500 yards of offense uh, but Dallas is down with 20 minutes left in the game they're down 34 to 10 they're down 24 points they're down 27 nothing just before the half they needed a, a touchdown on the last play before the half to get on the board and cut it from a 27 point deficit Aaron Jones 21 for 118 and three touchdowns and the cow and the Packers are able to do this with a starting offensive line that includes Elkton Jenkins, stud, Josh Myers, recent day two draft selection at center, Zach Tom, Rashid Walker, and John Runyon. The Packers' best offensive lineman did not even play in the football game, David Bakhtiari. As a matter of fact, you look at the offensive line. They rotate guards <laughs> with John Runyon and Sean Ryan. Sean Ryan took uh, 26 snaps offensively. It's 46% of the offensive snaps. John Runyon took 34. That's 61%. They're rotating offensive linemen at times. The theme that I have here, and it's something Miami kind of experienced their first little taste of uh, with Austin Jackson and, and to some degree Lee Meikenberg. There's an inherent value of continued consistency when you invest in young offensive linemen. Robert Hunt, kind of the outlier because Robert Hunt was somebody who performed at a higher level than the other two by the time he walked in the building. But as I think about Butch Berry, and I understand the Dolphins' offensive line had some limitations, and the Dolphins' offense in its totality played a certain style of football this year that needs to be expanded upon if they're going to win playoff games. It needs to be expanded upon. 
whether that's growth from the quarterback, growth from the offensive line, growth from the play caller, all of that is going to be applicable, and we'll, we'll talk about it all at length. But Green Bay, without David Bakhtiari, their best offensive lineman, sees two players take all 100% of the snaps in this playoff game. It's Josh Myers and Rasheed Walker. Rasheed Walker is a raw, was a raw talent coming out of Penn State. He's a seventh-round pick. John Runyon was a late day three pick who has started a significant amount of games. He started 50 games in four years for the Packers. Kind of a low ceiling player. Sean Ryan was a third round draft selection for, for them in his second year. Hasn't started a game yet, but has still managed to, to take 200 snaps of offense this year for the Packers as their rotational guard. They get Zach Tom, who's kind of a multi-tool player. He is in his second year as well. And by the end of this second year, he's a pretty high-performing player. For Miami, having that continuity in the offensive line will only matter if you maximize your opportunities with what talent you have and the consistency in what you're looking for. But I think with Teron Armstead and Austin Jackson and, and hopefully Robert Hunt, I look at those three players as ideal starters, you've got a really good foundation to work with. A lot of Miami's struggles offensively this year on the offensive line were masked by the quickness of the, the quarterback throwing the ball. And when the quarterback is forced to throw or hold to throw, you saw the lack of consistency and the lack of comfort and some of the more uh, disruption that came. Being able to have the same system for the offensive line just as much as the quarterback and just as much as the receivers and Tua Tagovailoa in the post game talked about how uh, he felt the lack of practice time with the guys who played really hurt them in this this game. Well, there's some Mike McDaniel discussions there because I remember one of the things that we talked about last year was Mike McDaniel game planning and then not simplifying the game plan when backups had to come into the game, like Skylar Thompson, and things were too complex. Well, guess what? Now you're too complex, and the guys aren't getting the reps during the week, and the precision of what you're doing is thrown off. Never mind the elements and whatnot. We'll talk about Mike. From the Packers' perspective, they have offensive linemen that the sum of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts because there's continuity, there's interchangeability, their scheme flexibility, and that's something that Miami should aspire to have more of. They also have a big center. They can bully up front if they want to. And that's something I don't think Miami is consistent enough with, and you acknowledge they played uh, the vast majority of the final two months of the season with three backup interior offensive linemen. So I understand why that ne didn't necessarily happen. But it's going to be a focal point of this show to talk about what improving that can look like. Speaking of offensive lines, we got the Detroit Lions uh, who won their first playoff game in almost my entire lifetime. They last won a playoff game in 1991, the 1991 season. Uh, I was born in 89, and the Lions have won a playoff game. Uh, they edge out the L.A. Rams. We're going to talk about uh, some of the themes and consistencies for Detroit that I think Miami needs to be able to apply uh, to bring this episode of Locked on Dolphins to a close. The NFL playoffs are here. 
And there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is super easy to use. There are a lot of different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on to make your first bet a layup with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Detroit. Uh, I have two thoughts here, and I heard Dan Campbell talking to the team in the locker room after Detroit wins on Sunday night football and advances to the divisional round. They will be at home. Uh, obviously, the two-seed Dallas Cowboys lose. So Detroit is going to get a home game in the divisional round against the winner of tonight's Philadelphia and Tampa Bay game. There's a pretty decent chance the Detroit Lions are going to play in the AFC Championship game. Dan Campbell, during the post-game speech in the locker room, gave out two game balls. One was to general manager Brad Holmes. And Dan Campbell talked about kind of the ugliness of this business, but when you have people who start and have a mutual vision and work together, uh, you can create something like what Detroit has been able to create, turning themselves around from winning uh, eight, 12 games, 11 games, excuse me, from 2019 to 2021, which was the first year of the Campbell era, to winning 12 games, more, winning more games this year in their regular season than they did in three seasons in the last two years of Matt Patricia and the first year of Dan Campbell. It's pretty special stuff. Uh, they obviously win a playoff game. They beat the Rams. Um, and when he gave the game ball to Brad Holmes, Brad Holmes said, you know, we we were so intentional about being about toughness and grit. And that's so much. Again, it's not how you say, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mike Florio, I know he's rubbed Dolphins fans the wrong way, but he, it's because he doesn't have to put what he says through the lens of uh, making sure the message is well-received by any individual fan base. Mike Florio said after the Dolphins lost that the Dolphins need an edge in 2024, and I'm inclined to agree with him. They have tough players. They have some tough players, guys like Alec Ingold. I like Jalen Waddell being as, as mentally tough as he is to play through the high ankle sprain one of the pound-for-pound pound toughest dudes on the team. But there's also an element of physical toughness that you separate and compartmentalize from mental toughness. And you have some physically tough guys on this football team. I just think you need more. I think about Robert Hunt as a physically tough dude. I think Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer are physically tough dudes. I think about what the Dolphins have in their skill group. And they have a lot of guys who thrive in space as compared to thriving through contact. And I think about Detroit and Amon Ross St. Brown. A little bit of a different physical style he brings. Think about Jarvis Landry. And I'm not saying bring Jarvis Landry back. But which player on the Dolphins' current skill group would you feel like invokes the competitive toughness and physical toughness, even as not the biggest guy, 
that Jarvis Landry had when Jarvis Landry was here in his peak. I don't know that I have one. You said, I think you saw some flashes from Jalen Waddell, and he added some weight this past offseason. But that also goes back to Green Bay. Green Bay's got all these young pass catchers, but they got a guy like Jaden Reed, who's built like Miami's wide receivers. They got guys like Christian Watson, who's a height, weight, speed freak. They've got Dontavian Wicks, who's another big, long body. They've got kind of a middle of the road, but still explosive player, Romeo Dobbs. They've got a little bit more diversified skill group. Where you think about Miami, and they tried, they swung the bat on Chase Claypool, and they had Eric Ezukama, and who knows what Eric Ezukama would have been. But you need to figure out what his medical situation is, and if he's going to be good to go, you're certainly hoping he elevates himself back into the spot the Dolphins envisioned for him, presumably. Because the rest of the group was Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, River Craycraft, Braxton Berrios. Not a lot of big guys. And I'm not saying guys that that are just 50-50 jump ball guys either. But guys who can win in different ways. And again, Green Bay, I think this is really applicable too as well. Their big guys are still dynamic and separators. You still want guys that get open and catch a football. But from a matchups perspective, the ways that they do it, I think Miami needs to diversify. I think Deshaun Elliott's a tough, gritty football player. But I think your offensive line, particularly on the interior, I don't consider Lee Meikenberg, I think he's a mentally tough player. I don't think the physical presence of him is that of a tough, gritty football player. It's a hard answer, question to answer. But Brad Holmes in the locker room talking to his team says, from the very beginning, we made all of this about grit and toughness. And you don't get your toughness tested quite much, quite like going and playing in sub-zero degree temperatures in Arrowhead. And I, I, I think the Dolphins' defense particularly should hold their head high with their performance to hold Kansas City to all those field goals in the red zone. But anybody who's coming in this year, I want an edge. And the other theme that I had, and it's this stark contrast between the two quarterbacks. Obviously, there's a storyline where you have Jared Goff, who used to play for the Rams, and Matt Stafford, who used to play for the Lions. They trade teams. One team takes Matt Stafford as their new quarterback. They go on and win a Super Bowl. Now you have Detroit winning in the playoffs against that team advancing to the divisional round. And Jared Goff was the limited player, right? Matt Stafford's a little bit more of the dynamic arm, access all levels of the field. And I think you look at those two players and their foil, particularly one of them being a Shanahan disciple in Sean McVay. I think the Dolphins have to be able to draw from one of those two directions. The team, Let's say it's the team that won, the Detroit Lions. They won with the limited quarterback who only does certain things well. And I'm using air quotes if you're not seeing that. But uh, nobody's going to watch Tua Tagovailoa and say that is a um, top athletic challenge to defend at the quarterback position. You acknowledge he has sufficient arm strength. He can make a lot of throws. But the off-platform stuff really loses some of its zip. 
I think you felt that on the interception on a ball that sailed on him. Um, and again, I like Tua, but if you're going to invest in that path, I think the blueprint that Detroit has is one that you, you should be cognizant of because it's currently built a little bit more like the group that the Rams have as the team with this dynamic off-platform, sidearm, access all levels of the field at all times. Detroit won this game because they have a mauling offensive line, and Detroit won this game because they have a two-headed monster rushing attack, including a smaller scat-back explosive type in Jameer Gibbs. But they also have David Montgomery, that when the going gets tough, he's going to put his nose down and he's going to get you four or five yards. And he's going to stick his nose in the pile and they're going to churn it out. And that's the identity of Detroit. We want to run the ball first. We got the guys up front. We got the back that can be physical. And then we're going to hit you with the jab, jab, jab. And then we're going to counterpunch you with an explosive play in the passing game. But Miami made strides with their passing game or with their rushing offense this year. But their rushing offense was about angles and getting outside. So I think about Detroit and the grit that they pursued and the blueprint for the player that's the quote-unquote limited quarterback. And two is a player who, and I've said this many times, as a player I think you can win with in the NFL and win playoff games within the NFL. But he's also a player with limitations because there's only like three dudes in the league that are completely universal fits for all schemes and all, all styles. And Tua's not one of those guys. And again, that's okay. You can win games with Tua, and you can win postseason games with Tua. But the blueprint of what you want to be offensively and how you're able to do that, I don't think you can be high-flying all the time. And that doesn't mean you can't pass the ball with success because guess what? Jared Goff finished this season with 269 yards per game, 4,575 passing yards and 30 touchdowns. It's about what Tua had. But you had a group who wasn't as sexy as Miami's offense was. But this team ran the ball offensively a ton. 500 rushing attempts. That's seventh in the league. And Jameer Gibbs is your explosive play player. But you also had David Montgomery as the churn it out, punch you in the mouth. And he's the closer. Miami 15th in the league in rushing yards. Still somehow finished 6th in uh, total yards and 1st in yards per carry because they were very explosive play oriented. You need more singles and doubles to stay on schedule. And that's the theme that I take away from Detroit because Detroit won with the discarded, you're not toolsy enough player. Well, do the Rams get, Rams get the last laugh because they won a Super Bowl? Maybe. I don't know. Let's see what Detroit does this year. I like their construction a lot. I still think they're probably defensively a year away from where they need to be. But they've got themselves a postseason win for the first time in three decades. Which means the Dolphins are up next. You're going to have to probably wait until 2024, and hopefully that's the year. Hopefully you, like Houston, get a bounce of the ball, and hopefully, like Green Bay, 
your continued continuity as you make new investments and see through your older investments allows you to stabilize. And hopefully like Detroit, you find it a little bit more of a physical edge to take instead of claim space, take space. It's got to be a difference moving forward for the Dolphins. That is going to do it for us. Here on this episode of Locked On Dolphins, it is your team every day. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Make it a great rest of your Monday. I'll be back again tomorrow as we start to transition into our off-season calendar.